Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. It's December 31st, the last day of 2019. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive journalist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague is Bruce Aldrich, and today we have on uh, a guy that I met a few years ago now at one of the meetup groups in, in Sacramento, and we introduced ourselves to each other, and his name is Alec, Alex Guberman, and Alex is going gangbusters in the, the world of electric vehicles. He run, he's the creator and runs uh, and is the host for E for Electric, a uh, very nice presence on YouTube, and he's all knowledgeable in the world of electric vehicles. He lives in Sacramento. And uh, this is our second visit with Alex. So, Alex, welcome back to our program. How are you, sir? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to the next year. So, Happy New Year to you and your audience. Thank you. Um, Alex, why don't we do a little recap? Can you, uh, I know it's a story you've told uh, quite a bit, uh, but could you just give us a little bit of a recap about your business and and uh, how you got started in it, and, and what it means to you to be um, a prominent person uh, in the automotive field, and in particular with electric uh, vehicles. Yeah, it's a really weird story, really, because I have never sort of wanted uh, to be a YouTuber. It still sounds very weird to me, but uh, back in 2012, when I was looking to get a new car, um yeah, I was very disappointed in what market had to offer. I felt most of the cars were pretty much had a 10, 20 year technology. And, you know, I love tech and what I was going to get, but somebody suggested that this company Tesla and this four door sedan, and I dismissed them pretty quickly. Uh, but once I walked uh, by Tesla's showroom in San Jose, kind of by chance and decided to come in, I fell in love with the Tesla Model S. I thought that, oh my God, this is what all cars should be like. And I decided I'm going to take a chance and contribute to the world by supporting a brand new electric car company and really do something that my generation hasn't done really, which is to contribute something major to the world without having to fight a war, luckily. And I said that this is the, this is the, this is the war that I can that I can fight for, you know, green energy and electric cars. Um, and at that time, owning a Tesla, which I ended up getting by the end of the year, I was one of the first 3,000 owners for the Model S. Um, that was not very really cool. Um, a lot of people thought I was an idiot to buy an electric car from a brand new company. Um, so I figured I'd uh, create a Facebook group for other idiots like me. And <laughs> turned out that there were a lot of us. Yes. And there were a lot of us trying to do the same thing. It started to grow. And by the time, you know, in, in about a year, uh, ended up with about 10,000 members. And the whole thing started to really take off. And I decided, why don't I do this little segment on YouTube once, uh, once a month, uh, once a week, actually. I'll just do elect- uh, uh, news about Tesla in just 60 seconds. And... Um, that's how my YouTube channel started. Again, I was just trying to provide a service to my uh, to my community, to my Facebook community. But somehow people on Facebook don't really like moving platforms. And so I ended up just kind of creating a separate um, separate community 
Um, after, about a year after that, I ended up renaming the channel from Everything Tesla to E4 Electric because I realized I wanted to cover all electric cars, not just Tesla, because there were a few of them that were coming out that were pretty decent as well. And um, yeah, I mean, it just took off from there. Now I get to travel to all of these events. I'm actually going to CES in a few days, uh, meet all of these people, and now I have you know, some of the uh, some of the industry leaders contributing to my channel. I just signed, uh, basically um, got the CEO of Fairday Future, my monthly contributor. Sandy Monroe is my monthly contributor. Rich Rebuilds, and I mean uh, the, the the people and 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 the the industry giants that I had on my channel is just mind blowing, and I absolutely love it. Uh, last year, I went full time as a full time YouTuber. So it is my job now, which, just like I said, sounds pretty weird still to to me. Well, congratulations. So that's that's, <laughs> that's of, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. You got Thank quite you. a community that. built up there. And also, uh, you know, Tesla, that's a pretty brand loyal bunch of folks, right? Yeah. I mean, to, uh, to a fault, really. I mean, you know, Tesla drivers are kind of uh, fall into a few categories now. They're not all the same like they used to be. Uh, there are some that just wanted a better car than others, than other cars. They didn't really care if it's electric or not. It just happens to be electric, and they just wanted to drive something cool and high tech. Um, another um, another category of people who just you know they're fans of electric cars and they think they think that Tesla is the best one, and I think they're right and they want to drive a, a great electric car. And the third one, and this one that usually has the biggest problems with me, is the what we call them Tesla fanboys, uh, people who just love Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, uh, regardless of what they do and how they do it, they will absolutely go to great with just absolute love for them, uh, which is also good. I mean, they're good to have an extreme uh, on our end here. Um, I would I would compare them to kind of a mini cult, like, you know, Apple has a mini cult as well. Sure. Um, so... So Tesla drivers are very di- diversified now. My my group is up to about thirty five thousand uh, members now, and uh, I see all kinds. Yeah, Alex, you brought uh, several follow up questions in quick. Uh, I was going to ask you your numbers, and it's a pretty phenomenal growth. So, from that first uh, sixty seconds you mentioned video that you've done to now, what? Um, how much of your day do you spend? And I think the last time we spoke, you were doing three videos a day. Uh, and now you have a new relationship. Uh, we didn't see you in L.A., although we, we were going to try to plan to see each other. We didn't see each other at the L.A. Auto Show. You have a you had an ambassador uh, responsibility with um, with Biden. And so fill us in on some of the blanks of, of your growth. Where, where are you? And, and you're traveling all over the world. So I guess it's kind of an all encompassing question. Uh, give us give us where you are now compared to from where you started. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely I have to pinch myself almost every day. Um, I I was in LA. I, I was I'm, I'm a brand ambassador for Byton. They're also sponsor of my channel. I absolutely love that brand. Um, before even we even thought about sponsorship or any, any type of uh, brand ambassadorship, um, I'm also the LA Auto Show brand ambassador. Uh, this year so that was that was a lot of fun and i'm hoping to do it again next year um i have traveled to quite a few events i travel on average about once a month now um you know on shows media days uh you know ces is 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 definitely a must go for me um 
and I'm able to actually talk to a lot of these, you know, heads of these automakers that are willing me and to my audience. I had also a couple of congressmen uh, on my channel. Um, so I've have had, it, you know, and, and about a year ago, I realized that I don't want my channel to be just about me and my opinion, even though I, I think I do a pretty good job communicating the news to my audience. But I really wanted to get other people's opinions. I wanted to get opinions of Tesla fanboys and Tesla haters and everybody in between and uh, people who um, who are other reporters in the industry and people who are behind closed doors making big decisions like the executives and so forth. Um, so I'm very proud of the fact that now my channel has six contributors and I interview people regularly on my show. Um, but yeah, the growth has been amazing. So my, my, my Facebook group uh, for Tesla has uh, over 35,000 members, but I also have a few groups for some of the newer electric car models, like my e-tron group on Facebook has been growing. Uh, Kia Nero EP group has been growing. Um, my channel just crossed 50,000 subscribers, and I get about half a million views a month, which is not too shabby, I guess. No, it's um, great. Good I've for also you. Had a, yeah, I've also had a really massive growth on, uh, growth on this uh, new platform called TikTok. Um, and a lot of people dismiss it right now because they think it's for kids. Um, it's actually, well, all of the social media platforms were for kids from Facebook to Instagram. And then, uh, and then adults showed up and, and, and those who started early ended up having, you know, being the community leaders. Um, TikTok is pretty much the same way. Um, the adults are showing up, the celebrities, the brands are signing up on TikTok. And uh, my following there have grown to 80,000 uh, just in the last few months. Fantastic. Um, sure. So I'm... And it's a different format. This is this is very different type of videos that I put up there, um, which is great. I love that as well. So overall, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and I am on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So I, and, and they all, you know, the audience there is very different. So I try to feed them different type of content that's appropriate uh, for, for, for those particular platforms. Great. Bruce, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, Alex, I'm wondering if you could go over the level one, two, three, and superchargers for people and how many charging stations there are across the country. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I lost count. Um, and, and actually, Tesla superchargers is, is not the uh, fast charging network. Um, Electrify America has, is making a pretty good case. So this is for cars that are non-Tesla. Um, EVgo is, is smaller, but they just um, announced that they're going to have Tesla adapters uh, on their stations, which is great. Um, I can tell you that with the number of superchargers right now, you can pretty much cover most of the country and most of the Europe and most of the main areas of China. Uh, by traveling long distance uh, in your Tesla, of course, depends on how big your battery is, but um, it has been, I would say, one of the most uh, valuable assets of Tesla brand because they essentially are kind of a gas station uh, entity for electric cars, right? They're sure, refueling yeah. stations. Um, now, the V3 superchargers are slow to roll out, uh, which is not a surprise, though Tesla has been under-promising and over-delivering lately. Um, it is definitely a huge step for everybody who owns a Tesla because you can charge up to 250 kilowatts on those stations. 
if your car can take it, uh, but pretty much all Model 3s can, can take that. And uh, the Model S and Model X, I believe they will be able to go up to 200. Um, and that's and that's pretty big. Now, when I had a Tesla, I don't Teslas over the period of six years. Um, I ended up buying a plug-in hybrid uh, because I really didn't, li- didn't like taking 45 minutes to refuel where everybody else driving gas cars takes three minutes. And I think this is the biggest biggest disadvantage of electric cars still is that you cannot refuel very quickly. Um, the exception is Neo. It's a Chinese brand that sells cars in China where they can battery swap within three minutes. And I think that's a great technology. I wish Tesla would have capped. They did have a testing station at the Harris Ranch here in California, but decided against that. And now Model 3 does not allow for that at all anyway. But um, it's, it's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. That's what it takes to, you know, recharge a Tesla on average. Um, but now it's going to go down to, you know, a third of that. We're talking about, you know, 20 minutes. Right. And that's that's, that's a, a coffee stop. Yeah. You get a cup of coffee, yeah, you so go to the I restroom, mean, that's it. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so 20 minutes be, be, become uh, much more sort of desirable. Again, it's still not three to five minutes to refuel a car, but we're definitely getting, you know, getting closer. Um, it's going to get better as the battery technology improves and solid state batteries, hopefully at some point, make their ways into cars in the next few years. Um, that should definitely lower it to about five minutes. And after that, I think we're good as far as, you know, this big obstacle. And then we're just talking about the infrastructure, um, which is a little behind, um, especially for a residential. Um, but yeah, no, Tesla superchargers is probably the biggest asset, I think, for Tesla at this point. Um, because without it, it would be a very tough concept to sell, even if you have this amazing cars and Model S and Model 3 and Model X. So but, but and they nope. keep growing. They keep growing. But you said uh, they are going to make an adapter. You think for other cars? Is that what you're saying? I'd never heard that one. No. So the EVgo, that's a smaller uh, network um, that's in the U.S. Uh, they have recently announced in the last few weeks and already launched one in San Francisco. I think where their station, that's usually CCS um, adapters and Chatmo, they uh, they are now going to have. Uh, Tesla adapters there, so you can fast charge Tesla on the EVgo network. I don't know why anybody really would, I would say, but there are some cases where it would make sense. Like there's here in Sacramento, there's a, I think the biggest curbside uh, charging uh, station uh, by EVgo in California. And, you know, while you're playing in a park with your kids or walking around that lake there, um, you know, you can fast charge. Uh, and if you have a Tesla, that's that's where you can do it as well at some point. Um, but to answer your question about whether Tesla's going to allow other cars to charge, I don't think they should because, I mean, hey, listen, it's competition, and I don't think they should allow other cars to uh, enjoy their network unless it's, you know, really good income. I do I, – I should mention that in, in, in uh, Europe, pretty much all superchargers do have CCS plugs because that's – that's the standard there and Tesla have CCS ports. Um, and that's pretty much universal. Uh, but that's, that was forced, I believe on them by, you know, European laws. 
So are all, all um, so, these new cars coming out? You know, there's a whole bunch of them. Like you mentioned, Byton and Bolton and Rivian, and you go down the list. There's 15 of them. Are they all? Is that all standardized? Pretty much all of them are are, are C, CCS. So they, and, you know, of course, the difference is how um, uh, how many kilowatts they can charge at, and for how long they can maintain that charging rate. Um, but yes, this, this is pretty much becoming, um, a standard for non-Teslas and, you know, Tesla's also just like I said, in Europe is kind of forced into it, uh, which is good for us, the consumers, right? Because we got Electrify America, uh, in the United States, Ionity in Europe with stations that, you know, can charge you between 150 to 350 kilowatts, uh, which is crazy fast. And they even have Chatamos. Electrify America has Chatamos for 50 kilowatts. Uh, charging for the older models, and the network is expanding. I mean, Electrify America and Ionity, they're expanding like crazy. I would say by the end of the next year, by the end of 2020, uh, when we will have a lot of other amazing cars on the market with CCS ports, um, it, the network is going to be good enough to make most of the trips in most parts of the United States and Europe. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, those two are going to, meet at the perfect point the infrastructure and uh, some of the newer electric car models which a bit about i mean this year was great for the new models um though i wish the sales would be better but next year has some really amazing cars coming out alex since you mentioned i know you visited china and i believe you've uh, gone to germany and maybe a few other countries is there a way to kind of give an overview uh in terms of other parts of the world have have has the electric car industry um, on a large scale been more accepted in other, and is it more prominent in other parts of the world? I know, I'm, I'm guessing China it is, but where, where else have you been and, and what have you observed in terms of the public accepting the technology in, in other countries? Um, I've, I've been to a few countries, but I can't say that I travel the world all the time to get a really good grasp um, just personally, yes. you know, just with my own two eyes. Um, when I was in China, I have to say that I didn't see that many Teslas or electric cars in general. However, I know that China is one of the leaders, if not the leader now in the world, uh, for electrification. I mean, they are their laws uh, require all of these manufacturers to start producing electric cars in large numbers. Um, some of their brands like Biadi and Bike um, are one of the biggest manufacturers of electric uh, electric cars um, that includes plug-in hybrid. And they, they, I mean, they're all behind it. Of course, Norway is, is just a, its own universe. I mean, they are the example of what we want each country to do. Um, you know, just, just last week, uh, Turkey. I mean, as a country, <laughs> decided to have their own electric car under the TOGG. Um, so this is the first electric car that's going to be produced by essentially a country, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, in Europe, they do have a lot of regulations uh, that and laws that are now also starting to shift uh, the requirements for a lot more electric cars and electrification. And a lot of brands like Audi and Volkswagen and so forth are res responding to that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's happening. It, on, it's happening in, in factories, uh, at the car shows, uh, and in, in, in parliaments. But honestly, 
just by looking at things with my own two eyes. And I'm also here in Sacramento, California, which is more of a guess outside of the Silicon Valley bubble. Uh, it, we have a long way to go. Yes, we definitely have a long way to go. I mean, I don't see even here in Sacramento, I don't see Tesla's driving around all over the place. They're still pretty rare. I probably I've been here a year and a half. I've probably seen a dozen of uh, Leafs, uh, the new generation BMW i3s. So we're talking about one per month, maybe. Yes. And and I'm realizing that you know it's it's. It's definitely boiling up, and of course, in Silicon Valley and in some other parts of the world, like Norway, the revolution is happening. But ninety-nine percent of the rest of the world, there is there is a long way to go. That that said, um, the first uh, hybrid car uh, in mass production, of course, uh, was the Prius, and I think it debuted in the United States almost twenty years ago now, and still the percentage of the sales is, is quite low. And for the average person who has driven uh, a standard shift car or an automatic transmission or a CVT, um, to switch uh, to an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle, it's not probably never going to happen. Uh, it's, it, uh, so I'm wondering if you have an idea of how the general public can be persuaded or even consider on any level uh, changing uh, their habits, uh, whether it's for environmental reasons or uh, less expensive, or what? What do you think are some of the ways that the industry at large, if there is such a thing, could can help persuade the public that just really hasn't come around to alternative ways of driving other than gasoline? Yeah, I think there are three big obstacles, um, which I understand. If I was, you know, um, an average Joe who may not care about environment because he's got mortgage and kids and you know job security to worry about um you know average person you know is not a tree hugger it you know but they have things to do they have problems and they they have to solve and families that they have to care for so there are three things that i think preventing the average joe of even considering an electric car first and foremost they don't come across them even when they go to car dealerships and there are some more or less affordable electric cars now, they don't see them. For example, Kia Niro EV is an amazing electric car with a realistic range of almost 300 miles. Um, it is a crossover SUV, uh, which is a highly desirable car here in the United States and, and even in Europe. Um, and it, after incentives, it, it, it costs less than $30,000. And, and if you lease it, it's, it's amazing. You can get really, really good deal. Um, however, if you walk on to a Kia dealership, that's not the car they're going to probably show you. Um, and the reason for that is that dealerships have very little interest in selling electric cars. Well, first of all, they don't know much about it, right? They don't, they don't train their staff to sell electric cars. But most importantly, dealerships make money on maintenance. You know, that's just how the world goes around and electric cars don't need much of that. So therefore, why sell them? Um, and, until the electric, especially legacy manufacturers figure out how can they convince their dealerships that are completely independent here in the United States, um, how can they convince them uh, to sell electric cars? Until then, 
you won't see too many commercials on television, uh, billboards, or even when you walk onto a dealership, uh, they, they may not even mention it. Yes. So that's number one. People don't get to see them, and I think the best way to sell an electric car to someone is to have them drive it. I don't know a single person who's driven electric cars and said, meh, you know, mm-hmm. they are amazing. They're fast. They are better they, than- they're, yes, it's a great experience. They're just better than gas cars. So that's number one. Number yes. two, of course, is, you know, it's it's the infrastructure. I mean, forget about long-distance travel because, you know, most people travel long-distance maybe once or twice a year. We're talking about charging stations to charge overnight at your apartment complex or your condo or your house. Um, I mean, even Silicon Valley, where they have this brand-new multi-million-dollar, you know, $5,000 a month, for one-bedroom rent apartments that they're building, <laughs> they don't have charging stations there. Not the dedicated ones. They might have a few up front, but you know, people need dedicating charging stations, and that's not a thing. That's not a thing. I believe in Canada, or I, I might be mistaken, there, I just literally saw an article that one of the countries is going to require uh, when you build an apartment complex or a house to have a charging station or at least an outlet. But, yes. you know, if you live in an apartment complex or a condo right now in the United States, including in the Silicon Valley, you're, you're not going to be able to charge your car overnight, and therefore it's a moot point. So uh, that's number two. Uh, and, you know, number three, and I guess I kind of already mixed it into the first one, is that, um, you know, legacy men are just very slow to make electric cars. They, yes. They've done a great job in the last year. I mean, we've got Mustang Mach-E from Ford and a Jaguar I-Pace and Audi Tron and Mercedes EQC and, you know, Kia and Hyundai. They're all great electric cars, but they're having battery supply problems like Kia and Hyundai are not making too many of them because they have not figured out for some reason how to do supply chain management for battery uh, supply for battery production. Um, and you know, Audi and, and Jaguar are having trouble selling those, uh, in the U S because they don't know how, and therefore they're not that in a rush to put more, more billions of dollars into making second and third and fourth models, uh, to grow. So those three are still pretty big, big obstacles, uh, for, for, for people to acquire electric cars. And I think we are, we are a few years away from, from, from solving those. I think that those are three excellent points. And I think under the umbrella of the person who isn't considering and may never consider an electric vehicle or even a hybrid for that matter, it's not good for them. You know, it's, it's a little bit selfish. They haven't thought about the environmental uh, issue perhaps, or they don't care. But above and beyond that, they want it they want it to be convenient, just like it's convenient for them to go to the corner gas station. So barring that, uh, I think you make three excellent points. It's never going to be an industry that uh, really succeeds on any great level until it's con- convenient and, and worthy price-wise for the average person to make that switch. So your points are excellent. So thank you. Thank you for those points. Bruce? Yes, and I should also add one more thing is that you know this is why I'm really rooting, as, as harsh as I am on Tesla, I still think that the most important thing right now going on for the electric cars because they're proving that you can make great electric cars. People will love them and buy them. They won't be sitting on their parking lots or, or, or storage uh, lots. Um, and you can make profits on it, uh, which they've showcased a few times now. 
Yes. So, um, you know, and th- hey, listen, you know, this is maybe maybe this is where, you know, we separate boys from men and maybe some of these newer um, brands who, ha- who are starting from scratch and they're only going for electric cars will, you know, kick some of the older guys out like Toyota. I would love Toyota to go bankrupt, honestly, because they are refusing and Honda, by the way, yes. they're refusing to go electric uh, despite what people actually think. Right. Yes. Uh, because of the Prius and so forth. So I don't have a problem there to lucid Biden Tesla um, driving some of those uh, old, old school legacy manufacturers uh, out of business um, because they're refusing to bring us the, the better cars, the cleaner cars. And, um, you know, I just had, you know, uh, Faraday Future CEO Carson Breitfeld on my show for his premiere of his segment. And we were talking exactly that, how it is much easier to produce electric cars if you're starting from scratch and all you make is electric cars and you don't have dealerships to worry about that, that make their money on maintenance. So I, I'm going to continue rooting for the little guys here and, and definitely against the bigger guys for refusing to change. I'm with you. Sure. Hey, Alex, what's your crystal ball on the new Mustang Mach-E? That's more of a middle of the road. Um, that should be in showrooms everywhere. And, you know, the price point, I just looked it up. It said 43895 it starts at. So what, what do you think? How is that going to do? So I've, I've, I, I was at the unveiling of the event and I got to ride in one and touch it and feel it and hug it. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great car for the price. It has great uh, stats. There's a lot of flexibility of it. Uh, it's a crossover SUV, which people pretty much want. It's got the Mustang and Mach-E names on it. Uh, it's going to be available for purchase and service at pretty much a humongous Ford uh, dealership network in the United States and across the world. Um, they, they seem to be behind this project. Um, so I would say besides the Tesla news uh, that we've had in 2019, this could be just one of the biggest, best things that's happened to the electric cars. Now, I love it. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I interviewed Chelsea uh, uh, Sexton. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, uh, you know, Who Killed the Electric Car a movie, and she's one of the stars there and still very much a, a, a prominent member of, of the community uh, and a big advocate. You know, she basically said, hey, listen, this is great, but let's see if they actually do it, right? Because, you know, one thing Ford made in the great electric car Another thing for convincing their dealerships to sell it. And as you know, once again, that's where the problem is. Dealerships don't have to do crap. They can just say, you know what? We don't want this car over here. We're just not going to purchase any. And there's nothing Ford can do. And this is one of the biggest problems, right? Um, I believe there's already been a couple of uh, articles where people were asking Ford dealerships and, and, and salespeople about the a Mach E, and they had no clue whatsoever what this is, and that they're going to sell it, and so forth. So there's already a disconnect. So the question is, can Ford um, uh, convince and incentivize their dealerships to really, really start selling this car? Um, I'm optimistic. I've talked to their, you know, executive team that's in charge of this. Um, they're very much optimistic. 
they're really much behind it. Their CEO, uh, Jim Hackett, was there, and he seemed to be, you know, 100% behind this. Um, let's see what happens. I, I don't like predicting things because, you know, it's in this case, uh, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, especially with the dealers. Let's see what happens. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic, but you know what? Even if they decide to scale this down, great. More room for Tesla, Lucid, Paradise Future, you know, Bollinger, Rivian, and so forth. Again, I have no problem. Okay. So if, manufacturers being driven out. So if it falls on its face, it's not the car or the technology. It's the marketing sales staff. The car is great. And I also didn't mention their, um, their user interface, which it looks like they drove a Tesla for a while and said, this is great, but we can do better. And they've done just essentially a better user interface that Tesla ended up with. So the interface and this large screen inside are, are great. And the car and the specs and the price and the options are great. Their, their first, um, uh, first edition is, I believe, is sold out now. So yes. people are interested. People are interested. And, and, and I don't blame them. Alex, I guess uh, last question for you, uh, since you've transitioned from the Silicon Valley area, San Jose, uh, to Sacramento. And by the way, we, we're in the same city. We've only met a couple of times. We're going to have to work on that and have the three of us go to lunch or coffee when schedules allow. But be, beyond that, um, since you have a relationship with Byton, and of course, um, Rivion's also uh, has a, a part of its company in, in the Bay Area, can you give us an update on when those cars may be available and the status of those those two manufacturers, particularly since you are involved with Byton? So Byton first and whatever you want to add to, about Rivian. Right. So, of course, once again, full disclosure, Byton is a sponsor of my channel. I'm a brand ambassador um, yes. for Byton. Um, now, they have they been quiet throughout most of this year, mainly because in China it was more problematic to get uh, funding uh, than before. So they their uh, last round of funding got delayed by about half a year or so. Yes. Uh, but they did end up with about half a billion from, um, from really good investors. I mean, obviously, they're they Chinese investors, but they also ended up with a South Korean investor, which... And again, this is not an inside information. This is just my personal guess. Yes. Um, maybe they will be using that manufacturer to maybe uh, put together uh, cars for their destined for the United States and avoiding some tariffs. So I thought it was a very interesting uh, in in investor that they got from South Korean manufacturer. But they got the money. Um, and they are moving forward with manufacturing. So the entire timeline shifted by about a few months up to um they're going in production in the next few months in china because their factory is pretty much finished mm -hmm. and um about a year after that they will be they're scheduled to deliver the cars outside of china to north america and europe um they said the target price for europe at forty-five thousand euros and they have not announced the price for the U.S., which originally was $45,000. I'm assuming that's because of tariffs, because yes. nobody knows. Uh, but I still would, would, would expect them to, to come in at under $50,000, which I think this car is very much worth it, especially before the incentives. Yes. Um, they are going to be at CES, and they're going to be showcasing their user interface, which, you know, are very important and exciting because of 
the ridiculous amount of screens that they have, including the humongous one, which essentially is the dashboard. Yes, it's one of fantastic. The that I, I like this yes, car. Yes, it's great. <laughs> the, you know, they told me, they told me, like, listen, we didn't take a car and try to fit a huge screen in it. We build the car around the screen. You know, like that's yes. the whole concept, and I and I absolutely love that. Um, so I. I'm looking forward to that. I'll, I'll definitely do a few videos, especially on TikTok, about the, the user interface. I have seen some previews of that, including the gesture controls, and it's amazing. So I'm really looking But again, you know, it's, we'll see what happens. You know, will they have production issues? Maybe. I mean, yes, the guy who runs their factory has been running, you know, BMW factories for a long time, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I'm I'm excited. They're they're pretty much on the verge of verge of production, and there's just no going back. Um, as far as Rivian is concerned, I have a good relationship with Rivian, but I don't, you know, I don't have any official relationship with them. Yes, um, it looks like they are in an amazing shape. Yes, um, it sure they've does. They've acquired a yeah. They've already had a, a factory that they, they they bought from Mitsubishi before even the original launch last year at the LA Auto Show. Yes. And now they've raised almost $3 billion this year, which is insane. Um, and not just as far as money. I think the most exciting thing is that who they got the money from, which is, you know, Amazon. Uh, that's a huge partner and a customer. Amazon ordered 100,000 yes. delivery vans uh, from, it's from amazing. Radian. It's amazing. Um, then we're talking about Ford. I mean, not only... Obviously, Ford will most likely start using, um, you know, but also just the manufacturing know-how. I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I can't imagine uh, Ford not coming in and giving them some good advice on how to manufacture trucks. Um, so that is, that's a great strategic partner. And then, of course, there's Cox Automotive um, that will, they will probably use to, um, to sell um, their new and at some point used uh, trucks and SUVs, um, they are in an amazingly great shape. And it's weird because a lot of Tesla fanboys, as I call them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they just hate everybody around them, right? They hate Biden. They hate Mayor Fair <laughs> Future. Even even people, even even the brands uh, within the electric car community. But Rivian, somehow Rivian has worked its way into the hearts of the biggest Tesla fanboys. So they have that secret sauce. They they have that. Now, I should mention something, which I already made a video about, but mm-hmm. um, if the Tesla Cybertruck looked like anything, uh, like a like a actual pickup truck, the, the the you know what we used to. Yes. I think Rivian would be in a lot of trouble. I mean, they would still probably sell, but uh, 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 the the stats, the the specs of the Cybertruck just crush Rivian specs. I think the reason Rivian will still do well is because of the way the Cybertruck looks. Exactly. I don't think most people who buy trucks are ready for that. And they might be ready to switch to an electric truck like Rivian, but I don't think they're going to be switching to a Cybertruck. So I think Rivian's biggest win of the year may not be the 2.85 you know, million dollars that they got or, or amazing partners that they got. I think the biggest win of the year 
for Rivian was the Cybertruck. <laughs> um, the Rivian so, does look good. It looks great, and you, I didn't think about your perspective, but you're you're dead on right. It's it looks like the something that would be in a Mad Max movie or something. It doesn't look like uh, it's nothing we've seen. Before. Nothing we've seen before, and it it looks ridiculous. But anyway, thank you for that perspective. The the best thing for Rivian is the the mistake that the other guy made it and Rivian's smart business uh, decisions. That's, that's great. Good point. Thank you. And I don't know if it's a mistake. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, I don't think it's a mistake because I think the Cybertruck will sell. Yes. Um, but I think it's a fortunate development of events, if you will, for Rivian. Very well said. Uh, Thank you. Hey, Alex, that's, that's probably a good time to break. Uh, but we want to thank you. I, we could talk all day. You have so much knowledge, and I'm learning from every answer that you've given today. We want to thank uh, Alex Guberman, uh, the host and creator of E for Electric, uh, the YouTube channel. And he's got a, just a bunch of stuff going on in his world. He's a Sacramento guy, and and uh, we've interviewed him now twice. And please visit his website and his YouTube channel and all of his other social media outlets. He, he's doing great things in the automotive industry um, i have a friend here in town alex uh, named mike Kahn, and he'll he's another automotive journalist and does uh, work journalistic work in other areas he's going to also be at ces and i'm on another assignment i really would like to go but um we'll catch up hopefully some other time when your schedule allows we'll have lunch and coffee as i mentioned earlier if you'd like to do that and thank you for being our guest today Absolutely. thank you for being our guest today on the on the weekly driver podcast it was great to talk to you again and hopefully we meet up soon it was fun and happy new year. Next year is going to be really, really interesting for electric cars. I agree. It's going to be great. It's Alex. going to be a great, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, friend. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Bye-bye now. Happy new year. Thank you. You too. <laughs>